Good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, what a wonderful day and a beautiful day to be back with you all today as we join in for these words of encouragement, remembering that all things work together for the good of them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Not saying that it always feels good, but remember, it's working out for your good. I wanted to, to segue this morning from what we've been talking about just because we are celebrating a season of Thanksgiving this morning, this, this week uh, and next week. This is a season of Thanksgiving. Every day is a day of Thanksgiving, but this is that season. And I thought about it. I prayed about it. And because it's been rough, this has been a challenging year for us, for all of us. Um, there's been so much negativity uh, in the media in regarding politics. Um, we had storms. We have now the pandemic uh, that we've been dealing with for several months, and it seems like it's not getting any better. So um, the Lord laid it on my heart uh, this morning or as of yesterday to uh, to deal with it, to try to help us even in the holiday season, um, we've all been affected by this pandemic in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Whether we lost loved ones, uh, we've known close uh, friends that have lost loved ones, and we're all dealing with situations. So I want to encourage you from the book of Habakkuk. I know that's an unusual book, but I want you to go with me there to the book of Habakkuk. And um, when you get to your own spare time and your own praying time, I want you to just read all of Rebecca. But for the benefit of brevity, uh, for the next few minutes, I want to look at uh, the key scripture, Rebecca chapter 3, uh, verse number 17. And then we'll go back to chapter 1. So I want to do a Bible study today from Rebecca chapter 3. Verse 17, it says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. But verse 18, the first word says, yet. I want to talk about how to keep a positive spirit in a negative world. I want to talk about that just for a few minutes. How to keep a positive spirit in a negative world, because it seems to me that we live in a world in which we are blessed to live in. The world that we live in, although it's infected, and it is infested with negativity. You know, things and people have a way of making you lose hope. It has a way of making you feel as if you may as well just throw in the towel because things are not going to get any better. Things are, are always going to be like this. But, but I wanted to share with you on this morning, regardless of what's going on around you, I'm going to show you today how you can always keep a positive spirit 
even in a negative world. At the time of this text, if we look at Judah, they are experiencing oppression. They are experiencing depression, for they are in between destruction and decline. The people of God are facing a precarious predicament. God raises up this brother considered to be a minor prophet, not because of his relevance, but only because of the amount of information that they share. They, they minor prophets were a lot shorter in length compared to the major prophets such as Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. But this prophet, Habakkuk, is interesting because not only was he speaking uh, to, to God on behalf of the people, but we're going to find out he was not necessarily speaking to the people on behalf of God, for his issue was with God. Mm. He, he was facing some, some situations when, when he was an ordained prophet of God. Here he is chosen and consecrated by God, prophesied during a period of decline and depression. Deficit is all over the land. I want you to see that it's a bad time, you all, in Judah's history. It's a bad time because they are the people of God. They are chosen to be the darling of God's eye, chosen to be the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham in the lineage of Christ, that Christ would come to restore Israel back to her place of prominence prestige and popularity, yet God raises up this brother who speaks not about the blessings that were upon Judah, but rather Judah is burdened. So burdened was Judah that God allowed Habakkuk to write about the prophecy, but yet as he writes about the prophecy, it is not a prophecy of optimism. It is not a prophecy of hope. As a matter of fact, he begins the whole writing in Habakkuk 1.1 by talking about a burden that he saw. What a bad predicament and a situation for Habakkuk to be in. Let me ask you something. What happens in life when you start off messed up? I mean, ladies, what, what happened? I hope it don't happen to you. But what happened when you when you get married on Saturday and by Monday you already want a divorce? What what happens when you take your new promotion or take your new job and by Friday of the first week you want to give it back to them? You, you you already ready to give your letter a resignation. I mean, it would seem to me that God would be a God of glory. To give Habakkuk some sense of prosperity, to give him some sense of productivity in the land of Judah. But he starts off, y'all, by giving him a burden. How in the world do the people of God start off messed up? I'm talking to somebody on the line right now. When you look at your life, when you look at your position that you're in, you're wondering to yourself, how in the world would God? Allow me to see burdens. I mean, listen, I read my scripture. I, I give praise. I live praise. Why would God allow me to go through what I'm going through? Habakkuk says to us, even though that negativity, negativity is all over the land. It's everywhere. 
He says that, that God sends me with, with these hopeful words that in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of companies and corporate downsizing, in the midst of foreclosure and furlough, that, that, that for the child of God, you and I can always be positive even in a negative world. I mean, when burdens are abounding and pain and pressures are your everyday constant realities, I want you to know today that your present reality is not your destiny. Never pronounce the benediction over what God is doing in your life. Because even if it's a burden in chapter one, I want to tell somebody, hold on to the end of the chapter because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. God always has the last word. And Rebecca says to us today that even when it's dark in Rebekah one, he told me to tell you that you can be positive in a negative world. By, and then the way you can do it, he says, number one, you got to be real about your confusion. I said, be real about your confusion. If you have your iPhones or your Bibles, if you look back in Habakkuk 1 and 1, look what he says. He says in Habakkuk 1 and 1, he says, the burden that I saw, I saw it as a prophet, as a preacher. As a chaplain, he says, I saw a burden. And can I be honest with you? I, I love for somebody to see blessings in my life. I love for someone to see prosperity in my life. I really don't like it when, when God shows burdens and pains in my life. But he says, I saw burdens. And he says, when I saw what I saw, Rebecca says, not me, he says, I went to God and I had some issues with, with God. I, I went interrogating God and I said to God, God, tell me this. He says, how long am I going to cry and, and you're not going to hear me? He says, God, I got some issues. I, I'm confused. I, I heard the psalmist say to call on you in the day of trouble and you would answer. But God, I've been calling. I mean, I've been calling you over and over and I've been crying and I've been crying and I've been calling. And yet it seems like you pushed a mute button. Habakkuk says, my, my issue is that I feel, God, that you are ignoring me. Have you ever felt and prayed to God? And look like God didn't answer. I mean, I mean, what do you do when you're calling on God to move on your behalf? And it seems like, y'all, that God is ignoring you. He says, I'm confused because I feel that God is ignoring me. But then he says, I'm confused because I feel that God is not involved. He says, God, I'm crying. You don't hear me. I'm crying out of violence. You will not save me. He says in verse number three, he says, why do you show me iniquity? Why do you cause me to behold grievance? He says, God, I'm tripping, really, because I don't understand why I keep calling you and I keep calling you and yet you don't answer me. And I like verse five because he kept on calling 
And, and let me tell you, if you keep on calling God about what God is doing, I, I come to tell you this morning that God has a way of answering his children. Look at it. He says, behold, ye among the heathen and regard and, and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days. Here it is. Look at it. Which ye will not believe. Though it be told you, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and that nasty nation. He said, yes, it's been rough. You, you think that the Assyrians have, have been terrible, but, but I'm getting ready to raise up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. You, you're in between the Chaldeans the Babylonians and the Assyrian captivity. But it's going to get rougher, says God. Habakkuk goes back to God in, in verse number 12. He says to God, he says, here's why I messed up about it, God, because I hear you telling me it's going to be rougher when the Chaldeans come. But the problem that I have, God, is, he says, art thou everlasting? He says, Aren't you the one that says you are the Holy One? And I like verse 12, y'all, because Rebecca is literally quoting what the psalmist records about what God says about himself. You missed it, I believe. He says, what I'm going to do, God, since you said it's going to get rough with the Chaldeans, what I'm going to do in verse number 12, since you said you are the Holy One, let me just throw your word back up on you. Not about what I said you are, but about what you said you are and who you said you are. And let me tell y'all something. The best thing that you can do to God is use his word on him. Yeah, when you're in a situation where you're a burden and you got problems, you got to learn how to always use God's word. Don't tell him what you say, but, but you tell him what God says. God says to you, God, you said that the cattle on a thousand hill belongs to you. God, you said that you will bless me in the city and in the field. God, you said that, that you will make my enemies leave me alone. And whenever you use God's word on God, God is a man that, that should not lie. God has to always honor his word. But let me tell you, in order to use God's word on him, you got to know God's word. And when Habakkuk threw his word on him, God comes back in chapter 2, verse number 2, and says to Habakkuk, he, he says, Habakkuk, I tell you what, I, I tell you what I want you to do. He says, write the vision, make it plain upon tables. That he may run. As a matter of fact, Habakkuk, stop worrying about what I'm going to do and just start writing. He says, write the vision in verse three. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it, it shall speak and not lie. Here it is. Though the visions tarry, he says, you got to wait Forward. So while I'm working, you just start writing and, and start waiting because I, I'm a man that I'm not going to lie to you. And if you write what I tell you to write, that's the key. If you do what I tell you to do, if you write what I tell you to write, even when it seems like you're weak, my vision and your vision, Habakkuk, it has to come to pass. And, and, and is there anybody that's on the line that you've been writing and you've been working on that vision for a long time? And you understand what the Bible says without vision, the people perish. But but if I keep on writing and I keep on waiting, if I keep on working that, that while I'm trying to figure it out, 
God has already worked it out. He says, he says, Rebecca said, God, I, I got some issues. He was real about his confusion. I'm almost finished. But secondly, he realized that he didn't have the necessary commodities. I said, secondly, he realized that he didn't have all the necessary commodities. What I'm talking, that brings me to, to chapter three, the verse 17 that I, that I read to you. Look at what he says again about the lack of commodities. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stall. Let me tell you right here, because oftentimes, I mean, I tell the people at Bethlehem, oftentimes we get so holy that we love to talk about what we're not going to claim. You know, we, all of us are, that are Christians, we, we got our head in the sand. We walk around and, and we don't want to admit the realities. We, you know, we don't want to admit the fact that jobs are being lost in this pandemic. We don't, we don't want to admit that, that homes are being lost, foreclosed on. That, that's a real reality for even as people of faith. I mean, you, you may claim at the end of the month that you ain't got no bills overdue, but let me tell you something. Don't throw them in the trash. You, you got to be real with, with yourself and say, this is what I'm dealing with. Listen, my, my resources are outweighed by my responsibilities. But can I tell you something? Whenever you got resources that are here and responsibilities that, that are here, that, that is it at that moment that you qualify for a miracle. He says, listen, I'm in a bad situation. I can name it and claim it all I want to, but at the end of the day, my flocks have been cut off. There's a famine in the community. There's failure in my crops, fig tree, and then it ain't blossoming. Fruit, no fruit. Olives ain't, ain't doing anything. Listen, the herd is cut off. So the reality of it is, is this. Some of you may go through divorce. Some of you may lose your job. You, you may lose your home. Some of you may have to deal with sicknesses and pain. That's reality. He says, listen, you, I can bury my head in the sand all I want to. But right now, he says, God, here is my situation. I don't have no money. I, I don't have no money for the payment. I, I don't know if my child going to get off of drugs or not. God, I don't know if you're going to heal me on, on this side from this dreadful disease. Or, or God, are you going to take me on over yonder? But he said, he said, that is my present reality. God, it is what it is. He says, I like it. I like it here because he says, I I'm real about my confusion. I, I realize that I don't have the commodities. But he says, lastly, he says, although I I'm confused, although I don't have the commodities, last thing he said, and I like it, I'm going to rejoice in spite of my condition." Look at what he says in verse 17 and 18. Although all that's going to happen to me, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Here it is. He says, yet. See, you don't know when the Shout, you don't know when to say amen. He said, there's a famine in the community. F 
flocks are cut off. There's failure in my crops. I may lose my house. They may be acting a fool in Washington about the election. I, I may be out of job, but, but he said, yet, yet what, Brother Hutchins? Yet I will rejoice. Rejoice in, in what? Rejoice because we broke? No. Re rejoice because we sick? No, no. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I, I got to give him glory in the midst of it all. And, and perhaps I'm talking to somebody this morning that's confused. And, and you're wondering what's going to happen. You, you, you're wondering what's going what's to take place. Are, are they going to come up with a vaccine or a vaccine? A doctor's gonna gonna test this thing. Are we gonna be okay? He says, "Listen, let me tell you, your deliverance is in the Lord, not not in the law, but in the Lord." Habakkuk says, "I will rejoice not in Biden, not in Trump, not in Reeves, but I will rejoice." In the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19, the Lord God, he is my strength. Now watch it. The flock is still cut off. There's still famine in the land. The Babylonians are still on the way. But he says, I will rejoice because the Lord God, he is my strength. Habakkuk said in the midst of a pandemic. In the midst of a famine, the Lord God is my strength. And the verse says that he'll make my feet like hinds feet. In other words, he'll make my feet like the feet of deer. And when you notice deer, it's deer season now. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I love to hunt deer. Uh, and when you're out there in the woods, whenever the deer, when it, whenever it comes close to any obstacle, when the deer gets to a ditch, when the deer gets to a fence, God gives that deer ability to take those feet and jump right over any obstacle, jump over even every enemy. Deer are known for their sheer footedness, their, their incredible balance and stability, even in the midst of difficult terrain. They can stand firmly and they can navigate safely the, the greatest through the greatest heights and, and, and the steepest cliffs. And the Bible said that he going to make me walk upon mine high places. He going to make me walk upon mine high places. We ain't going to stay in the valley too long, but he going to make me walk upon mine high places. Is there anybody that's on the line that's ready to climb a little higher? I, I don't know about y'all today, but... But 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 you can you have the ability to run through troops. You can you can leap over walls because God has given you power. I don't know what you're facing in your life. But one thing I do know, Pax team and my brothers and sisters, that if you give God praise anyhow and you put God first in your life, you can say like David, I once was young. Now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I know it's rough, but hang in there. I know it's hard, but, but hang in there. I, I, I know that, that maybe you're dealing with some 
terrible situation, but, but hang on in there because I come to tell you this morning as I close, you can make it. And the reason I know that you can make it is because the reason I know I can make it is because I'm a Christian. And being a Christian means to be Christ-like. And Jesus, as he, what I'm going through is no comparison to what he went through as he hung there on that tree. On that cross, it got rough. It, it got tough. But he hung in there. He had negativity all around him, but he hung in there. He gave up his life. He hung, bled, and died that we may live. But at the end of the day, on that Sunday morning, he did get up with all power in his hands. And because he got up, you and I can handle whatever negativity that comes our way. So my friends, my brothers and my sisters, hang in there. Keep the faith. Don't quit. The race is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but the one that endureth to the end. And he says that Isaiah said it. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. May God bless you. And may God keep you on is my prayer. If I do not see you between now and next Thursday, the day that has been set aside for Thanksgiving, I hope and pray that you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. But remember, every day is a day of Thanksgiving. Every day is a day of praise. May God continue to bless you and may his grace, his mercies cover you throughout the days. Father, we thank you for what we've heard in these last minutes. We realize, God, that there's negativity all around us. But we realize that you are still that fence that will be all around us. God, not some days, but every day. I pray, God, for every person that's on this line. Pray, God, that you will grant them peace. That will surpass all understanding. I pray God for every person that may listen to this podcast. That it will bring about encouragement. It will bring about hope. In the midst of this time that we live. We thank you God for all that you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. And God we praise you for what you will do God. We ask your blessing upon Chaplain Johnson as he's battling with the covid uh, God, and then there may be others that who are sick, that, that are ill, that I don't know about. God, there may be families that I don't know about. But God, as you are an all-knowing God, you are ever-present help in the time of trouble. God, do this for us, and we'll be careful not to boast or brag, but forever give you the honor, the glory, and all of the praise. In Jesus' name, we pray it all. And all the people of God said, Amen. Thank you.